Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Well, we're off to a good start with our St. Paul the Apostle course. The first lesson went out on Monday, and we're underway. Uh, Thursday, tomorrow, I'll be sending out lesson number two, and then we'll be setting up the Zoom office hours so those who are enrolled in the class, we can all get together online and talk about the lessons and get to meet each other and say hello. I'm looking forward to that because, you know, here we are in this COVID time and all of our classes stopped on March 13th, ironically, Friday the 13th. And I haven't seen any of my students since then. And I really miss all of you. Um, the time before class and meeting each other, giving hugs and uh, conversations and all the banter during class and afterward. Uh, that is su such a big part of teaching. And uh, I, I long for that. So with the Zoom meetings, at least we'll see each other pixelated on the screen and uh, maybe tell a few stories along the way as well. Well, anyhow, back to the podcast. We left off on Monday with Saul being converted on the road to Damascus. And then, oh gosh, off he goes. He's going to take the gospel out to the world. We read in Acts chapter 9 that Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished, and they asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call them his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? And yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Now that is really interesting. No one ever hated Christ more than Saul of Tarsus. But now, after spending several days with the disciples in Damascus, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah. I have a Jewish friend, Michael Cohen. We were on faculty together at UCLA. And uh, I was working on, on some lessons. And he stopped by. We were going to have lunch at the faculty club. And he said, what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm doing a lecture on the Apostle Paul. And Michael said, oh, him. Once a fanatic, always a fanatic. <laughs> and he hit the nail on the head, that's for sure. So Saul is now preaching powerfully about Jesus as the Son of God. And people were astonished at it. Yet, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. So after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night. I love this took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Damascus was a walled, fortified city. And here's, here's Saul of Tarsus at night, up on the walls of the city in the dark with his helpers, and they have to get him out of the town. 
He can't go out through the gate. It's barred and locked and everybody's looking for him. So they lowered him in a basket. I imagine Saul climbing into a laundry hamper. They put the lid over top. They lowered it down from the wall and it's swinging like a pendulum until it hits the ground. And then the lid opens a little bit and Saul peeks out, looks about, pushes the lid off and scampers off into the night uh, with a sock hanging on one ear from the laundry hamper. I, I think that's an hysterically funny scene, but off he goes. So when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Yeah, right. But they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas, remember Barnabas, son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles. Barnabas really took his life in his hands because Saul, very bright guy, could well have been the fox that got in the hen house. By stealth, he pretended to be one of them until he could get to the leaders. So Barnabas had to discern, is he genuine? Is he authentic or not? Barnabas was a mature person, a person of sound judgment. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Now you have to be sure that Barnabas talked with Saul for a long time, probed his authenticity. But once Barnabas was convinced, he brought Saul to the apostles. Barnabas told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. The apostles accept him, but I, I think with reservations, Barnabas was certain of his authenticity. But do you think Peter truly believed that? John truly believed that? Well, we'll see. Trust, but verify. So they allowed him to move about Jerusalem and preach the gospel. But you can be sure they were keeping a pretty close watch on him. Well, Saul talked and debated with the Grecian Jews. They tried to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea Maritima and sent him off to Tarsus. Saul came to Jerusalem, met the apostles, and he was as fiercely proclaiming Christ as he had fiercely persecuted Christ. He caused nothing but trouble. So the apostles took him down to Caesarea Maritima, the deep water port on the coast, and sent him to Tarsus. That is, they sent him home. And I love this. This is great. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. We get rid of Saul of Tarsus, and now everything settles down. <laughs> Tells you something about Saul and his personality. Well, it was strengthened... Uh, church was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It continued growing in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So what did Saul 
do once he got back to Tarsus, back home? If you had that conversion experience, blinded on the road to Damascus, and now basically they tell him, go to your room, just stay away. What did he do? Well, we're not told specifically, but let me turn over to one of Paul's early epistles, the epistle to the churches in Galatia. Paul's early epistles, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians probably came first, but Galatians is right there about the same time, sometime in the early 50s, say 50 to 52. Saul has his conversion experience. I dated around AD 36. And now what happened after that? Well, look at Galatians with me. And I'll start off here in verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Galatia, by the way, is a territory in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, kind of south-central Turkey of today. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, the God and Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. So Paul, an apostle not sent by the other apostles, not by Peter, James, John, or anyone else, but by Jesus Christ himself. So Paul is not following the hierarchy of the apostles. Paul is reporting directly to Christ and taking orders directly from Christ. Certainly in his mind he is. To the churches, plural, in Galatia, in the territory of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of standard opening for Paul. Grace to you and peace. And I like the order of the Greek words because you cannot have peace without first having grace. So grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Very standard opening for St. Paul's epistles. And then he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, that is I, Paul, or an angel from heaven should descend down to your town and preach a gospel other than the one I preach to you, the New, uh, New International Version, NIV, reads, let him be eternally condemned. The Greek reads, let him be anathema. Or, I would translate it, tell him to go to hell. <laughs> That's what Paul tells him. If anybody comes to you preaching a gospel other than what I preached, even if it's an angel from heaven, tell him to go to hell. As we've already said, now I tell you again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what I ex you accepted, tell him to go to hell. Now, 
Am I trying to win approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? Huh. If I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. So we, we see the edge on Paul here. Paul could be a tough person to be around. Paul had very definite ideas, very clearly expressed ideas, and he really didn't put up with any dissension. So we get a sense of Paul in the early days of his apostleship. But he says to the people in Galatia, now Paul travels on three missionary journeys. The first, he went with Barnabas and Mark. Mark, our author of the gospel, was a nephew of Barnabas and a young fellow. Uh, Paul, I imagine Paul to be about the same age as Jesus, so Paul would be in his mid-30s when he was converted. Here in Galatians, it's around A.D. 51 or 52, so Paul's 50-ish. And uh, Barnabas, I, I picture him being somewhat older. He's a more mature man, certainly in judgment. And Mark is perhaps 17, 18 years old and uh, a young guy. So Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. So what Paul was preaching when he traveled with Barnabas and Mark on the first missionary journey, 46 to 48, when they traveled into Galatia, I want you to know it's not something man made up. On the second missionary journey, 50 to 52, Paul and Silas will travel into Galatia again and they pick up Timothy on the way. Timothy lived in Lystra, which is a town in the Galatian territory. So after traveling through Galatia on the second missionary journey, that's when Paul writes this epistle to the churches in Galatia, once he's west of Galatia. So I want you to know that the gospel I preached is not something man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So where did Paul get the gospel? He clearly didn't learn it from Peter, Andrew, James, John, the other apostles. He said, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. So how did he get it? Rather, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. What? He received the gospel message directly from Christ by revelation? How'd that happen? He continues, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Well, we read all about that in these podcasts. He says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I was the rising star. I was marked out for greatness. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, 
I did not consult any man. So after that dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus, after spending three days in Damascus, after receiving his sight back, I didn't confer with anyone. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me. So I didn't go to Jerusalem. I didn't confer with Peter, Andrew, James, John. No, I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Arabia, now don't think of the, of Saudi Arabia of today. Damascus is the capital of the nation Syria. It's north of Israel. To the east of Damascus is Jordan, in part. Jordan, uh, everything east of the Jordan River. That area, a desert area, a very stark area. And Iraq, that whole area is called Arabia in biblical times. So I think what he did is leave Damascus and go into the desert in the east and later return to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. So Paul tells us that I didn't receive the gospel from any person I received it by direct revelation from Christ. And when did that happen? I would argue during three years he spent in the deserts of Arabia, just east of Damascus. Imagine the other apostles spent 40 days with the risen and glorified Christ when he taught them what they needed to know to get the gospel out to the world drawing upon the law, the prophets, and the writings. Then he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended, and the apostles were off on the march. But not so with Paul. Paul, the persecutor, ended up in Damascus. They had to get him out of town, lowering him in a basket over the wall. He scampered off into the night. And where did he go? East, into the desert. Where? I would argue, he had a three-year private tutorial with the risen and glorified Christ. Imagine having a private tutorial across a long period of time with the risen and glorified Christ. The other apostles, well, we have this, we know something of Peter. Uh, Peter ended up in Rome. He was executed sometime during the persecutions under Nero, 64 to 68. So we know a little bit about what Peter did, but the others, we know really very little. But Paul? Paul writes 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Paul evangelizes all of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and a good chunk of Europe. Paul is no slouch. How did he do that? Where did he get the knowledge? Because what Paul writes about in his epistles and letters, we, we don't get that anywhere else. In a very important sense, 
we would not have the church today as we know it had it not been for St. Paul. 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, all of Asia Minor, a good chunk of Europe. One could say in a limited way that Paul invented Christianity. Christ, the virgin-born sinless Son of God, took our sin upon himself, paid the penalty for that sin on the cross before a holy and righteous God, enabling our salvation. But how do we then reach out and appropriate that salvation? And Paul will argue, we do so by grace through faith. And that's the very core thesis of all of Paul's writings. It's not that Paul enables our salvation, but Paul teaches us how to appropriate that salvation, who Christ is and what he did. How do we appropriate it? By grace through faith. Where did he get all that? Certainly not from Peter and Andrew and James and John. He got it directly by revelation from Christ. Then, after three years, he writes, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter, and I stayed with him 15 days, a fortnight. I saw none of the other apostles, didn't confer with them, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. I only saw James, the Lord's brother. Well, there we have our, our sticky issue of the brothers and sisters of the Lord. But James is the Lord's brother, not just another disciple, but a relative, a blood relative of Jesus. Protestants argue he's a full brother of Jesus. Uh, Catholics argue that he's a cousin or a member of the extended family of Jesus. And the Orthodox argue that he's a half-brother of Jesus, son of Joseph by his deceased wife before Joseph marries Mary. In any case, this James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Not Peter, not, J not John, not James the brother of John, but James the brother of the Lord, leader of the church in Jerusalem. So I went to Jerusalem. I got acquainted with Peter for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God, I am telling you the absolute truth. Later, I went to Syria and Cilicia in Syria, Damascus, Cilicia in Asia Minor. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. So you see our timeline? Jesus is crucified, buried, and raised, Passover AD 32. The church is born on Pentecost AD 32. The persecution breaks out up to about 36, led by Saul of Tarsus. Saul's converted on the road to Damascus, 36, and spends three years in the deserts of Arabia, and then goes back home. And we read in Galatians chapter 2, very next verse, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. 
That was for the council at Jerusalem. We read about it in Acts 15. What do we do about the Gentiles? That took place in AD 50. So there's our timeline. 14 years later, after my conversion, I went to Jerusalem with Barnabas for the council at Jerusalem. Nice timeline. AD 32 Passover, Jesus crucified, buried, and raised. Pentecost, AD 32, church born as a covenant community under grace. Persecution breaks out. Paul's converted in 36. 14 years later, he goes to the Council of Jerusalem with Barnabas. And in between that time, three years in Arabia where he learns from Christ himself. I think that works pretty darn well. So, 14 years later, I went up. And in response, I took, uh, I took Titus along and, and in response to a revelation, I set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did it privately to those who were leaders. I, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. And I presented my understanding of the gospel. They all congratulated me, patted me on the back, and said, go to it. And that's exactly what he did. After the council in Jerusalem, AD 50, Paul evangelized almost entirely Gentiles, not Jews. So another step in the development of St. Paul. That brings us to the end of this podcast. And uh, again, if you've not signed up for our big class, in-depth class on St. Paul, these podcasts are little previews of what we'll be doing. But, uh, but please do, please sign up, get your friends to sign up. And for sure, I would love to see you on our Zoom office hours every week, our weekly Zoom office hours. Can't wait to do it. So keep me in your prayers. Keep the new class in your prayers. I'll keep you in my prayers, and I'll see you on Friday. Bye-bye now. <music>